just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity we have to come before you and to look at your word. We ask that you guide and lead us as we look at the scripture. Show us what you'd want us to see. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Numbers 18, starting at verse 20. The last time we were talking about how the Levites were given the, the sacrifices belonged to them, the meat offerings and the and all of the, the first fruit offerings and all of that. So we're going to continue from, from this point. And the Lord spoke unto Aaron, verse 20, You shall have no inheritance in their land, neither shall you have any part among them. I am your part and your inheritance among the children of Israel. And behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tenth in Israel for an inheritance for their service, which they serve, even the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. Neither must, the neither must the children of Israel henceforth come nigh unto the tabernacle of the congregation, lest they bear the sin and die. But the Levites shall do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation, and they shall bear their iniquity, and it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations, among, that among the children of Israel they have no inheritance. So we're going to stop there for a moment, because God is re-emphasizing this over and over again. That... In, the children of Levi have no inheritance. God is their inheritance. And this we've talked about. They did not get a portion of the land. They're going to be given a certain number of cities. They'll have a small area around those cities to, to be able to farm a little bit, but not much. They're, they're, they're given cities. And then God says, I am going to take care of you. Now, this was very different than all the nations around them. The priests of the other nations were very wealthy people. They were given land, lots of land. They were usually wealthy. They were exempted from taxes. And they had a lot of influence. And God says, you will not have land. You will not be treated special by the people in, in that kind of a way. And we see this coming in that all they're going to have is these cities. And where are they supposed to get their funds? are from the gifts that people bring to the temple. Now, when you think about this, it sounds good in theory. If everybody comes to the temple and offers their tithes and their first fruits and, and their sin offerings and all these things, they're going to be well off. But you think about all those kings where nobody came to the temple, that the temple went into ruin for not just one king, sometimes two and three kings in a row. The Levites are going to starve because they don't have land enough to really grow stuff. If the people weren't coming to the sanctuary, they weren't going to be fed. And this was for 12 tribes of people, and it ended up very quickly becoming just two tribes. At the very end, yeah. So, yeah, 12 tribes. Now, the people, if they were to give correctly, and we go back, this is going all the way back to chapter 1, there's, a, there's about 603,000, 603,500 people. Okay? There are 22,273 children of Levi. So there's 27 people giving a tithe that goes straight to the children of Levi. Okay? So let's say they made $100 a month, or, you know, in our terms, $100 a month. They would be given $10. The Levite, each Levite would be getting $270. So they're getting about almost three times, you know, not quite three times what the people of, of the people are, would give if everybody gave. 
Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay, for every one Levi, there's 27 non-Levites. But put with the chap, the verse you didn't read to go with it, isn't our giving to God to go to the priests? That's what we're getting to. We're getting to that. And we're going to go further in and see that how that goes. But there, but most of the money is, a lot of the money is going to, the majority of the money given is going to go to the Levites to start with. All right? And then we're going to get to where the Levites give to the priest, and then the priest has to give to God. So, but I'm just bringing out to you, there's 27 people. So the Levites, if the people are following God correctly, are doing good. Okay? There's 27 people given to them, and they're going to end up, like I say, if there was $100, they each give $10. They're going to come out with 270, which is much more than the people are getting. Does that make sense? I don't want to lose everybody. I love numbers, so this fascinated me when I was calculating it. But the, the Levites, if everybody honored God and did what they were supposed to, the Levites were going to be well prepared, uh, well rewarded, and well covered. They were going to have a lot more money than the average person even to spend. And that's pretty much what I was just trying to bring out on that. But we also know in the history that many times they basically starved to death because nobody was giving their tithes because the temple was not being used. It, you know, a couple of times we know that it became a junk collection. You know, Josiah spent a month getting the junk out of it because it had become a trash dump. You know, but we don't want to go outside Jerusalem's walls, so we'll just dump everything in the, in the temple of God. Uh, I can't imagine that, but that's what they were doing. And we see that that happened in more than one place and more than one time. And when that happened, the poor Levites were not well off at all. Because, they, you know, like I said, they had a little strip of land around it, and you can't produce much fruit and much food from a little strip of land. If you've had a garden, you know, can you imagine having a small garden, uh, 10 by 3 or something, you know, and trying to feed your family for the whole year on that small garden? It just wouldn't happen. No matter how well you, you know, harvested and pickled and, and stored, you would not be able to support your family. And yet, if people were honest and they did what they were supposed to, they were supposed to be well off. And I just wanted to bring that out. It says, you know, that he's given the children of Israel all the tenth of Israel. So when Israel tithed to God, that tenth belonged to the Levites. So this is, this is kind of interesting, and it says... You know, that Israel was given to the priest to be their servants, to be, to be their servants. And we see this on there that, you know, the people were bound from going into the tabernacle. They could go to the tabernacle, they could offer the sacrifices, but they were told you cannot go in. Only the Levites were allowed to go in. And then the further restriction was the Holy of Holies, only the high priest and only once a year could he go in. Uh, so, and that's going to be after they get themselves established. Obviously, when they're moving the tabernacle around, somebody's got to go in with the covers and cover everything and move it, move it. But uh, but only the only the priests could go into that area. So we've got all these restrictions going on, and God's saying, "You're my people, but there's restrictions on you." The the actual Jews could not go into the holy you know holy place. It was only the Levites. And only the priest could go into the Holy of Holies. And God had all these rules out there. And God's always got rules. He does even for us. We, he says, you are to operate within your, your calling. 
And nothing is worse than have somebody trying to be a pastor who isn't called to be a pastor. If you've ever met one, they're, they're really a pain in the neck because they don't care about people. They're a false hireling that doesn't care about the people. And they're just there to draw whatever check they can. Or they put on a show in some case, but draw, you know, usually they would never come to a church this size because it doesn't, you know, there's no money in this church. But God can provide the money as well. And he has been. Yeah. It's been amazing to me that we upped our, our budget again this year. And for the first two months, we've exceeded the budget that I thought we'd never hit. And we've already exceeded this month's budget in two weeks. God is doing great things. Mm -hmm. And how, why? I don't know. <laughs> We're doing something that he wants done. People are growing. People are changing. This town is changing. It, little by little, it's, the spirit in this town is changing. And, I'm, and when I said Sunday, I expect God to do a miracle in this town and start a revival in this town, I do expect a revival in this town for, from our prayers and our, and our actions and, and witnesses, that God is going to do something great in this town. And what that'll be, I don't know for sure. But I expect great things. Because he is doing great things already. And he's preparing this church to do great things financially and, and, and growth-wise. And what, the, what those great things will be, who knows? God will do more than, more than I can imagine. And I've imagined great things. <laughs> but he's going to do more than what I've imagined. More than whatever you imagine for where God can do in this town. He can do it. And probably will. As long as we stay faithful to lift him up and pray. So we're looking at this. It says, The children of Israel must not come nigh the tabernacle, but the Levites shall do their service of the tabernacle, and they shall bear the iniquity, and it shall be a statute forever throughout all your generations. And the children, that among the children of Israel, they have no inheritance. So he mentions that quite a few times. Before that, he said, God said that he was their inheritance. Now, that's kind of a nice place to be. Yeah. To have God as your inheritance is a good place to be. And this is one of the things I've looked at. Lynn and I have lived pretty frugally and by faith for the last three years. God has met our needs. And it's not nothing to, to it. He's done it in some miraculous ways. He's done it in some simple ways. But he's met our needs. And now he's given me this second job that I can do that fits with this schedule and says, here's, here's your money now. You, you don't have to... Because I can remember many times we'd, get, we'd be going, God, here's your bills. <laughs> you know, we're getting close to the end of the month, God. You haven't paid these bills yet. <laughs> and something would happen to, that we'd get the money and the bills would get paid. But it was just, here, God, these are your bills. <laughs> I can't pay them. I'm doing what you've told me. I've been, you know, I've been trying to find something. And so they're yours. And then something would come in. And God is going to be the inheritance for the Levites. I am going to take care of you. During those lean times, those little gardens probably produced so much stuff that people couldn't even believe how good their, their gardens produced. Mm -hmm. Why? Because the people weren't doing what they were supposed to do, so God took care of them. Because I don't remember reading anywhere that the Levites starved to death. Now, they probably did work on the side and a lot of stuff they weren't supposed to, but God took care of them because he was their inheritance. And we see that in there. 
Verse 24 says, But the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer as a heave offering unto the Lord, I have given to the Levites to inherit. Therefore I have said unto them, Among the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. So, and this is literally, all the tithes belong to the, to the Levites. Yeah, this, is, this is pretty amazing. And it is the principle that we still run our churches on, that the tithes end up going to the, you know, or at least part of the tithe <laughs> goes to a pastor and the rest of it goes to support the building and everything else that the, that's going on. But that is how the church is supposed to work. But in this case, with all that, that they got, it, that was part of the condition of it, that they had to use it to maintain the building, maintain the candles, the oil. The There's nothing in there that says that in this. Where else would it come from? Well, you'll see. You've okay. got to get to the end of the chapter here. Could be any patient? Yeah. <laughs> okay. The tithe belongs to them. Verse 25, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Thus speak unto the Levites, and say unto them, When you take of the children of Israel the tithes which I have given you from them for your inheritance, then you shall offer a heave offering of the, unto the Lord, even a tenth part of the tithe. This And this your heave offering shall be reckoned unto you as though it were the corn and the, of the threshing, threshing hold, and as the fullness of the winepress. Thus you shall offer a heave offering unto the Lord, of your, all your tithes which you receive of the children of Israel, and ye shall give thereof to the Lord's heave offering to Aaron the priest. Out of your gifts you shall offer every heave offering of the Lord, and all the best thereof, even the hollowed part thereof, out of it. All right, so the Levites are getting their 270, in our example, $270 for whatever period. They were to give $27 out of that to the priest. Okay, the, to the priests in general, the priests in general, Aaron's, Aaron and his sons. So you've got 21,455 people giving to each, to each one priest. The priests are making out very well. They're only getting $27 out of each person, but they're getting over 20,000 people giving to them, so they're making like a quarter of a million. Well, he's and if going, there's any sin on him, dies? Could be. Could be. It's going to all the priests. Okay. So it's not just, not just Aaron. So there's a lot of them given to, to them. So the priests are getting a good sum of money out of this. And the priests also have no land. But they also haven't been given cities of refuge. The cities of refuge are given to the Levites. The priests literally have the temple or the tabernacle as their inheritance and God. So, but they're getting a very large sum of money because of the tithes that each of the Levites are to give them and the statement there that they are to give the best of what they got. Okay, so the people of Israel are supposed to be giving the best of what they've got to the Levites and the Levites are giving them the best of what they've been given to the priests. Okay, so we're down to the priests are getting uh, one one hundredth of everything that is out there. But there's a lot of people out there. So they're getting quite a bit. Does that, that make sense? They're getting a tenth of a tenth of the tithe. 
Does, and a priest has to be a Levite too. They're part of the Levite family, but they're of the, tri they're of the family of Aaron. Right, okay. There's, there's so 12 tribes, so the Levites, so that means there's 11 tribes? Joseph got a double portion. Manasseh and Ephraim are 12, part of the 12 tribes. So Joseph, Joseph was considered the, the elder out of the deal because of his faithfulness to God. And so there's 12 So tribes. there's 12 tribes, and Israel isn't counted as a tribe. Now, having said that, there are places in the scripture where they, say, they list Levi and drop one of the tribes. Usually, usually we'll list Joseph and not Manasseh and Ephraim, but sometimes they'll list Manasseh and Ephraim and drop somebody else out. And I don't know how or why that was done in many cases, but... But that's good so that you don't forget without his obedience to God, there wouldn't be a tribe of Israel. Yeah, it's... It's probably true. So, I mean, it's probably done for remembrance purposes and stuff. But so you've got the 12 tribes given to the Levites, and the Levites give to the priests. And so, and this gets you into this whole mentality. I know pastors who don't tithe their checks because they feel that they shouldn't, they don't have to. Here it says that all those leaders are having to tithe. Now, if they don't feel comfortable tithing to their church and tithing to their own income, then give to some other ministry, but they should be giving a tenth of their of their income. And there may come a time that I would do the same thing, you know. But right now, I tithe to this church, which usually means I'm giving more to the church than the church gives me. Especially now that I've got this new job, it's. But that is fine, because this is the way it was here. They're giving their tithe to support the next level up, and so. We're going to see that. Their income was to be tithed, and that Aaron received of Aaron and his sons received from the rest of the Levites their tithe. So he's getting the best of the best so far, if they do it the way they're supposed to. All right? And it says, All of your gifts shall offer a heave offering of the Lord of all the best, you sh and, it, and even the hallowed part thereof of it. So they were to offer offerings of everything that they're dealing with. The first fruits, the the heave offering, which was their, which was their actual tithe, and remember they get parts of the animals when they sacrifice, and mm -hmm. so they're to give part of that to the priest as well. They're supposed to get the best part of those, because they're the ones that did a lot of the work. Mm -hmm. The Levites are the ones that actually carved these things up and and cut them up. Because remember, Aaron only had five sons; two are dead. <laughs> because they misbehaved on the very first day of service and they got fired, <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally fired. Uh, so he's only got himself and two sons to offer all the sacrifices. So the Levites do the bulk of the work. They're the ones killing, cutting the animal's throats and cutting, you know, stripping, stripping the carcass and all of that and cutting it up the way it's supposed to be. So they do a lot of the work. And the priest just has to stick it on the fire and, and and burn it and say the words that they have to say and, and all of that. So there's a lot going on here. And, but it says, there to give their part. Verse 30, therefore you shall say unto them, when you have heaved the best thereof from it, then you shall be count, it shall be counted un, unto the Levites as the increase of the threshing floor and as the increase of the wine press. So it says, it's gonna be treated as if you had actually gone out and grown it and pressed it. 
because you're not, that's not your job. Your job is not to be the farmer and the grape grower and the, and the herdsman. Your job is to give the sacrifices. So therefore, God's going to say, you've done your job. The part that you've got is going to be credited to you as if you had actually gone out. The poor were to be taken care of by the church. And it used to be done all the time. And it worked really well when the church took care of the poor because people would be, you would, number one, you would know that they were truly poor. You would know that they truly could not work. You knew that they truly had hardships. You know, their, their, their whole field was burnt down by, by somebody coming through and raiding the raiding. And then you go, okay, we're going to help them because it's not their fault that they don't have anything to... And so the church would say, okay, the answer I have always given everybody on that situation is, if you've given with a, with a heart of blessing somebody and you felt that that's what God was, was going to do, then you're going to be blessed forgiven. What they do with it is between them and God. It's, it's a very hard place to be. You know, how much do you help these people? How much don't you help these people? I will help anybody that I know that is in need and do whatever, whatever I can for them. I don't do much for panhandlers. I just don't. It's, I've seen too many deceptive ones over the years, and I mean I've seen too many deceptive ones. Uh, when you see the same people on every corner every week when you're driving back and forth from work, those people are doing it as a job. They're not doing it. But if you give, and this, this was big in Sacramento. This question always came up in Sac when I lived in Sacramento because we lived in an area that had lots of panhandlers. And I go, that's up between you and God. If you feel that you're, God's telling you to give and you give, you're going to be blessed because you gave with the right attitude. This is the way it was in Israel. The, the Levites handled the distribution of the, to the poor. And many people get married for the wrong reasons. They didn't get married because they're in love. They got in love, they got married because they were in lust or infatuated or in the old days because they got pregnant outside of marriage, which was violating God's word in the first place. And then they, get, you know, then they got married for all the wrong reasons. Yes, I understand the problems that are involved in that. But if people followed God's word, they wouldn't have as many problems. It is an issue, and we as Christians need to be able to say, this is what God says. Yeah. How many times have you had somebody, that your, your friend that wants to get married, especially if one's a Christian and one's not a Christian, what have you said to them? I'm very bold on that. Don't get married. It's against God's rules. It's going to cause you problems. And this is where if, you have, if you're a Christian, you sh your, your friends should be Christians. That doesn't mean you're not going to associate with anybody that's not a Christian, but your friends, the people you're going to hang out with and consider your close buddies, should be Christians. Because if they're not, the world is going to pull you away. It's, it, the world will always pull you down yeah, much quicker than you're going to pull it up. Are there examples where somebody pulls somebody up out of the miry mess of the world? Yes, about one in every thousand. You know, uh, but for the one that, did, that actually was successful at pulling their buddies or saving their mate, uh, you've got uh, 999 lives that are ruined. And sometimes that one. And it's, not a bet, and it's not a bet that I would, would gamble on. It's got to be scripture. I've had three people ask me you know, about marriage in this church, and I go, it's fine. I do only covenant marriage, Arizona covenant marriage, which is a, it costs less to do, but the only way you can get divorced is because of adultery, and it takes counseling. 
and nobody's made it through my counseling yet. I scare them <laughs> because it's, that's how serious I think marriage is and I want to make sure they know how serious marriage is. And nobody's made it past the, the fifth, the fifth to go to the sixth and easy one. But we talk about what is, what is love because most people don't know what love is. We talk about what it means to be a husband, what it means to be a wife, what it means to be a parent. Uh, and so people get very scared when I get into the Gospels and say, this is what God says about it, and scare people. But I want them scared. I don't want them going into a marriage blind. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to go into something that I find so serious that it's a lifetime commitment. And if you're not ready to make a life, ready to consciously make a lifetime commitment, I don't want to be part of that commitment. Let's get back to our... In, in where we're at. Verse 20. You shall offer, also offer a heave offering unto the Lord of your tithes, which you shall receive of the children of Israel, and it shall be given to Aaron. So Aaron is getting that 10% from the Levites. And it says in verse 30, Therefore you shall say unto them, When you have heaved the best part thereof, then it shall be counted to the Levites as the increase of the threshold and as the increase of the winepress. Verse 31. And you shall eat in every place, you and your household, for it is your reward for your service of, in the tabernacle of the congregation. So in 31, their part of the gift they could take home. Mm -hmm. Okay, they, when they went back to the city of refuge or they went back into their house with their, their, their wife and their kids, that was their portion to feed their family with. So their portion of the, the meat, their portion of the meat offerings, the, the tithes, they could go back and they could do what they wanted because it was theirs. It was their reward. They weren't restricted. Now remember, because in many of the offerings, they could only eat it in the holy place. So you could only eat as much as you could eat at, that one, at, that, at the time that you were serving. But this, the tithes and, and everything, they're able to take whatever's not bound to the holy place. They were able to take into their houses. They were able to take it home with them when they moved, went back to their city of refuge. The priests are going to also give a tenth to God. Because once God's got it, what does God do with money? God has got his part. He gives it to the priest. And I'm sure the priest, the part the priest gave was sold and then used to do the upkeep. But now you've got to remember this temple does not exist yet. Yeah. Right now we have a tabernacle. It's a tent. It can be sewn back together. It can be, if they break the wood, which is covered with gold, would be quite mishandling it quite badly. Now to break a board that's covered with gold is going to have to take some uh, effort. And some, yeah, you know, and I'm sure they were careful with it, and and the curtains and everything are are able to be sewn back together if somehow somebody was not very careful and tore it. Dealing with God's temple, you're going to be careful. At least I would. I would be very careful if I was dealing with this. And verse 32, and you shall bear no sin by reason of it when you have heaved it, the best of it. Neither shall you pollute the holy things of the children of Israel, lest you die. So anything happening now, remember, a number of people have died because they've come up to the tent of the congregation. Okay? Korah and, his, and all of his family in their rebellion were brought up before the, before the temple, the, the tabernacle, and, and killed. Uh, a couple of times they, the curses started at the, at the tent of the congregation because that's where they were called to you know, for all these decisions. And God said, no, you're not coming, they're not coming up to the, temp, uh, to the tabernacle anymore. They can come inside, they can offer their sacrifices, but they're not going to the altar. They're not going to the, to the temple of the, the tabernacle. But he says, you Levites, 
you know how you're supposed to behave. You know how you're supposed to come in here. You know that you're supposed to be pure. You know you're supposed to have offered your sacrifices. If you come without doing it right, you will die. Okay, so they're, they've been warned, but they're also trained. And this is, the, this is the thing. They know how they're to go in and out. They know what they're supposed to do and what they're not supposed to do. But then so did Aaron's sons that, that got fired at the very beginning. You know, they, they knew what they were supposed to do and wanted to do things their own way. And I'm sure that that was the example. You know, I want you guys to remember uh, Nadab and Abihu, you know, what they did way back at the beginning, remember them and do your service correctly lest you die. Big deal to them, you know, that they don't do anything that's going to cause them to die. We are very hard-headed as a human race in not thinking he's so good, he's so kind, he's so loving, he has a sense of humor. But when he says no, there's no give. He means no. Hmm. And we're hard about not accepting that. Him out of it. God's kind-hearted. He's yeah. This is the problem in the church as a whole. The church has swung over the years from being extremely legalistic where there's no grace given and then it swings over to so grace-oriented that there's no holiness and righteousness involved and it'll swing back and forth on that pendulum and it keeps doing that and if you've lived long enough it's usually within one generation that it'll swing the whole both sides and if not two generations at the max where and usually it is the one generation kind of go well this is just too strict and they go way over the other direction and say well God is just forgiving and loving and and then it gets no righteousness and no holiness in the church and then it'll swing back the other direction and to way too strict and somehow we need to stay in that center place realizing it's all grace realizing that it's God's grace that's important but he also has rules and regulations that he wants us to follow how do we follow those we get crucified in him and we let him live out of us and we will obey his rules and it's all grace is actually both sides of the coin at the same time. Mm -hmm. I live in his grace and let him crucify my flesh and then he lives out of me and I get to live a righteous holy life that people look at and say, wow, that's what a Christian's supposed to be. Full of love, full of mercy, full of, full of kindness, not pounding people over the head with the rules, but saying, you know, I've heard it so many times, people go, well, I'd love to be a Christian, but I just can't give up. Right. Who said you had to give it up? Well, that's what a Christian is. No, you just accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know what? The secret is, he'll take it away from you. <laughs> you, you know, and you won't miss it when he does it. You know, and that's the beauty of it. He crucifies us, then he, then he gets, to, gets us to live the way he wants, and we don't miss what it is that he's taken away from us. When somebody finally learns the blessings of giving their tithe, they start over here scared to death to give the tithe because it's money that they don't feel they can let go, and then God blesses them, and they're going, wow, why, why did it wait so long to do this? And this is what I tell people all the time. You give something up, God blesses you from it, and you start wondering, why did I wait so long to do this? We won't miss our vices. We won't. We won't miss the vices. We won't miss, we won't miss what we give up if we're doing it for the right reasons. Now, if I'm trying to give up my, what I, you know, then I'm going to suffer and, and have a hard time with it. You know, if I'm a smoker and I just feel I've got to give up my smoking and I'm going to work real hard at giving it up, 
I'm going to fight and fight, and I'm going to miss every one of those. And not that I've ever smoked, but I mean, but but you turn around, and you say, God, I'm giving this to you. You help me do it. I'm just and God just slowly crucifies that desire, and you end up down the road saying, Wow, how easy it was to do it this time, this time. And we all have had something that we've given up that was easy to give up when we let God do it. Great. Sure. Drinking, drugs for a lot of people. For me, it was giving up football. And I mean, I really had football almost next to an idol. Okay. I didn't watch the Super Bowl because I wasn't going to give up going to Sunday night service. But man, every other part of it was Sunday, I've got to watch these games. Monday, I've got to watch this game. And nothing gets in the way. And God. Not that it was bad, not that it was evil, but God really asked me, you know, go, what could you do with three hours of time in your life? Or six hours of time on a Sunday? And I'm going, well, I could do a lot of things. I could spend more time in the Word. And slowly it was like, bang, it just went away. No desire, no with missing it. So all these offerings were to be produced by the children of Israel. They were to give. The children of Israel were to give. The Levites were paid by what they gave. They gave and they supplied the the priest and then the priest gave to God and it really doesn't say what God what they did with the money that God did but I'm sure they probably took care of replacing the oil and the showbread and and all of those things if they weren't already given by the the people but you've also got to remember especially at this time the people were given all that stuff you know the people were given the stuff to support it because they were in love with what was going on and in Ezra, uh, Nehemiah's day, the same thing was happening. The people wanted to know what God wanted to them to do, and they were worshiping God with enthusiasm. You know, and I love when I read about that. They worshiped God with enthusiasm a joy, joy and joyful heart. hearts. But a jo at the noise of Pharaoh. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 yeah. The, that was one in Nehemiah that we talked about, that the people, with all the rejoicing and the praise that they were doing, they heard it afar off. Oh, wow. Around Jerusalem. Just love it. I don't know how far afar off was, but we <laughs> talked about how if you've been around a stadium, a, a big stadium, on a big game, you can hear that, you can hear those cheers for three, four, five miles away at least because that's how excited people get. And I, that's what I pictured when the Nehemiah said, in Nehemiah, where they said they'd heard the, the noise afar off. So much excitement and enthusiasm that probably scared the, their people around them. Like, what are they, what's going on in that city? <laughs> yeah. yeah, what's going on in that city? Why are they that happy? And so, but enthusiasm. The offering given for the tabernacle. One of the two places where the people had to be told, stop giving, you've given too much. Okay. And the other time was when, they, when, they, when Solomon was building the temple and they took it and they had to say, stop giving, you've given too much. Every pastor reads those and says, boy, don't I wish I could be in a church that has to say, stop giving, you've given too much. Wow. We, can't, we can't spend, we, we don't have vision enough to spend everything that you've given us. And I would love to be in that place. Okay, people, you don't have, <laughs> we're asking you not to give to God for a, for a couple months because we just have too much. I've never seen a church be in that position. I think if we had too much money, one thing I would love to see is, oh, wow, we've got enough money and the room. Let's hire a teacher and bring her here. Yeah, we would change our, if we got that much money, we would change our vision to include some of the things that I want to see us do. Like get a van. van. A van is one of the things I'd love to see us do in the church. I'd love to see us do some kind of Christian school where people can get a quality education and learn how to read and do math. 
the way they used to teach it, not the way the schools teach it nowadays. Give them an education that they can use. These are things I'd love to see someday. Will we ever get there? I don't know. If God wants us to get there, we'll get there. And so pray about it. If God wants us to get it, he'll give us the benefits of it. I mean, we needed computers when I first got here. We prayed for computers and we had a guy donate two brand new computers to us. God can do anything. His God can do anything in this church. He can, he can make it happen. And I'm expecting, I really do expect that he's going to provide a good van for us. And I don't mean some old piece of junk that's falling apart that needs to be repaired every day. God is going to provide us a van I pray for that, all that is time. going to be usable. Mm -hmm. Well, I would like to see us be able to provide rides to Kingman, mm -hmm. you know, round trips, you know, three or four round trips. Then we'd have to hire somebody to do it, but that's fine by me. But again, if God provides the van, he provides the money to hire drivers, then we will do just that. Trip to, to Walmart especially, because at Walmart you can get on the, the buses to go anywhere in town from that point and from Walmart back. We'll see what God has in store for us. That's one of my big, big visions because I know it's going to be several thousand, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for the, a good van. Then insurance and a driver and all of that stuff that we'd be involved with doing it. So how it's going to work out, I don't know, but God's got a plan. And we will see him do it. I'd love to see us do it. We don't have a lot of kids, but I'd love to see us have a Christian-based education program that people can come to and get a good education, learn phonics. You know, I'd love to see us do some kind of reading program, and I know you've said you'd be interested in doing that, so maybe there's something we can do with phonics. It's important for us to be able to say we're helping out in practical ways as well as spiritual ways. And when God provides for that, we'll, we'll deal with it. You know, how, big is, how big a group can he give us? I don't know. You know we have 300 people in town, Probably, probably, you know, much more if we go further out than just, you know, focus outside of this town. We've got the other side of the valley that I've got my eye on. I want to start a church out there on the other side of the valley where all those new houses are going. Okay, I don't even know what it's called, but the other side of the, the, other side of the valley, which is far enough from Golden Springs where you can't really, you know, you can't get there. You're, you're actually closer to 93 than you are uh, Golden, you know, Golden Valley. You know, all down that old, that old back road where all those new houses have been going up in the last three years. And I watch those houses go up and go, we need a church out there. How's that going to happen? I don't know. God will get us the right, right opening for it. He'll, he'll put somebody in our path that wants to have a home Bible study out there. And we'll start, I'll start a home Bible study out there and build a church and hand it over to somebody. But I see a church out there. So those are, those are some of the visions that we have. And, you know, God will provide. And I don't know how he's going to provide, but he will. And it'll take time. When I first started here, I would have never dreamed that we would be closing in on over $2,000 a month uh, giving. Because when I first got here, we had trouble making five or $600 a month. And that was only three years ago. So God is doing great things in this church. Great blessings are happening in this church, and we're going to see great things from God. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your opportunities that you've given us. We thank you that you love us so much and that you care for us and that you will provide for us. And we just ask you to guide and lead us as we go through with this day. In your son's name, amen.